This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, November 4th. I'm Gavin McGough. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, a Building F redevelopment looms when the time is right. A day in the life of a miner with Fintan Cole. Climate tech startup at home in Telluride. And a mountain weather forecast. Telluride is gearing up for a major building project to redevelop Shandoka's Building F. Despite being the newest building in the Shandoka complex, issues with water leakage and maintenance mean it's time for what is basically a wholesale replacement. Presenting to the Telluride Housing Authority, Town's project manager Lance McDonald explains construction will happen quickly because the town is using modular units made off-site and shipped into Telluride. Both ProSet and CBS uh, Colorado Building Systems indicated that a construction period could be achieved at a seventh, seven-month window. And what that would basically be comprised of is a three-month factory run. It's another three to four months, likely four months, to do all the uh, delivery, the set, the stitch, uh, other features that a lot of times we'll be putting the roofs on these buildings in the field as opposed to shipping the roofs because the roofs may want to have a different articulation than the typical modular factory would do. But say we wanted to have decks, a lot of the exterior walkways get built on site, things like that. ProSet and CBS are two companies which have responded to the town's bid for contractors on the project, known as an RFP. The project will save additional time as foundation work can occur while the modular units are being built off-site at the factory. The downside of modular construction is that factories are backed up and need money up front, McDonald says. You have to get in line at the factories. The line is already very long. It was long all fall. It was long all summer. It's goes into next year. So also you have to deposit money very early to secure your place in line and also to secure materials. Contractor ProSet says it could start to construct modular units by the summer of 2023. Colorado Building Systems, or CBS, estimates it could start a bit later in September. THA members feel those dates are very soon, given that families now living in Building F need to be relocated. Mayor Delaney Young says town needs to look out for those families. Probably for me right now, the most important piece is giving the existing residents who are still there and have not been relocated a realistic time frame. Because if we know that, let's just say for sake of argument, these timelines are correct, that means people need to be moving out by June because the demo has to start at least concurrently with the production of the boxes. Director of Housing Melanie Wasserman reports that 10 out of the 23 total apartments still need to be relocated, and some of those apartments are entire families. Mayor Young says the issue of timing is challenging because town cannot begin construction until relocations are complete, but they also don't have a deadline for moving families out until they secure a spot in line at the factories. So it's like chicken egg situation because we don't know really when an actual run could start. However, if we don't get in the queue, it will just keep cascading into a longer and longer time frame. In addition to questions of when the project could and should begin, THA is facing questions about whether to allow families relocated from Building F to move back in after construction is complete. They're also thinking about the specifics of project funding and the inevitable question, should they increase the number of units during the redevelopment? Here's Mayor Young 
polling the subcommittee. And the number one question that I would ask for a straw poll is, do we want more density than currently exists? I'm a yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think that's unanimous. I figured that would be. Ultimately, adding a substantial number of additional units would require a redesign, which members of the subcommittee said would be costly and time-consuming. Here's member Adrian Christie. Yeah, I guess for me, on the list of things that are prioritized, density is increasing density is not as high on the list as cost and timing. And if we get essentially the same unit mix, but it's done in seven months and we don't impact the residents next door as much and we're not have we don't have as much of a subsidy, that feels like a win to me, especially considering everything that we have. McDonald says the town will move forward with requesting quotes or estimated project costs from the potential contractors. In the meantime, THA will continue to work on relocations and project details. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. With snow on the ground, soccer and volleyball are wrapped up for the season, and eyes are turning to basketball. This week on A Day in the Life of a Minor, Telluride High School's Finton Cole brings the latest. This is Finton Cole in your sports update. Girls Varsity Volleyball won against the Norwood Mavericks 3 to nothing but they will not be making the state tournament this year despite this. The Telluride 2022 volleyball season is over. The Dove Creek Bulldogs are still undefeated after beating the Ridgeway Demons 3-0. They finished first in the San Juan Basin League heading into the tournament. Dove Creek still hasn't lost a game in the regular season since 2006. Boys Varsity Soccer lost against the Lotus Meteor 6-4, ending their season on a two-game losing streak. The Telluride 2022 fall soccer season is over. The Meteors advanced to the second round against the Thomas McLaren Highlanders and won 2-1. Lotus is advancing to the semifinal against the Bishop Match Buff Buffaloes on November 5th to see who is going to make the state final. Boys Varsity Basketball added a road game against the Crested Butte Titans onto their season schedule. That's a big game for the Miners. Other possible games on the list are against Nucla, Dolores, Ignacio, Nord, Mancos, Vale Mountain, Ridgeway, Dove Creek, and Plateau Valley. Girls Varsity Basketball just announced a home game against North Fork on December 3rd, as well as games against the Caprock Academy Eagles on December 9th and February 18th. Other possible games are... Dolores, Ridgeway, Nucla, Uray, Dove Creek, Sargent, and Norwood. That's it for your sports updates until December. I'm Fenton Cole reporting live from Telluride High School, and we'll see you next week with the pros. The word accounting usually brings money to the mind. But for Olivia Peterson, the founder and CEO of tech startup Sisteo, the accounting mindset can be applied to a different sort of budgeting, that of someone's climate impact. Like opening a bank account to see how much money lies within, Sisteo assigns a number to a user's climate footprint. 
Peterson says the idea grew from her obsession with managing her own personal climate impact. You know, I was really obsessed with figuring out what's my personal footprint and how do I make it better? And Sisteo is a climate accounting company that can ultimately help the everyday individual unlock better pricing in the world by being a better environmental steward. Um, so turning off their lights, unplugging electronics, driving or taking a walking day instead of driving. Sisteo is focusing on how to perfect that climate accounting system. And Peterson says polishing the algorithms which will allow users to reduce their footprints has become their recent focus. We've just been cranking and nerding out on how much emissions and water certain actions take. And so we actually have a pretty great database built around that. Um, And so the data breakthroughs that we're making are pretty exciting. A lot of math. Any individual can sign up to get their climate impact score free of charge. Sisteo offers subscriptions to larger institutions and businesses, which can then amplify the climate impact. For a company that relies on venture capital funding, high-level web design, and complex math, Telluride might seem like a unique home base. Peterson says remote work has helped in this regard. Obviously, this company would be way easier to build if I was in Silicon Valley. And that was extra true before the pandemic. Um, But since COVID, you know, it's almost been a silver lining to have a startup um, in Telluride because now everybody works remotely. Peterson grew up here and building a company in Telluride has become part of her mission as an entrepreneur, she says. In person, we've got two people. So me and uh, Ryan is also on the team. So it's great to have a local person to work with every day. Um, And then we have people across Colorado and and the U.S. that also are on the Sisteo team, but we are technically headquartered here, which I think is really cool to have a climate impact startup um, technology company that's based right out of Telluride. I'm also dedicated to building a company in Telluride that provides full-time year-round high-caliber jobs for people in the community. Isolated, lacking institutions of higher education, and sporting a very limited pool of available workers, Telluride doesn't quite have the brand of a mighty tech hub. But Peterson says that isolation has long led to a culture of self-sufficiency and entrepreneurship in the Box Canyon. Everybody here is starting new businesses, trying new things, trying to you know, commoditize their services in some way, whether you're, you know, a musician or a baker or a accountant, like there's a ton of entrepreneurs in Telluride. And I think that just comes out of a small community because we all need each other for the community to function. In the five years she spent building Sisteo in Telluride, Peterson says many resources have been available locally. The Telluride Venture Network has really done a lot to build a startup community here. Um, There's venture funds that exist right here in Telluride, like the Telluride Venture Fund. Um, And there's a lot of like stakeholders in the community that really are trying to build a um, startup community. For anyone wishing to lower their climate impact or at least track it, a Sisteo score is free and takes less than 10 minutes to generate with an online quiz. For businesses wanting to lower their impact and support Sisteo's work, there's information online at S-U-S-T-A-I-O. It's that time of year again. 
In the wee hours of Sunday morning, the clock will inch towards 2 a.m. before falling back an hour. But daylight savings time means more than getting an extra hour of sleep. It also means dusk will come earlier, and animals using the twilight hours to migrate will likely coincide with rush hour. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is urging drivers to share the road this fall and pay special attention following the clock change. According to CPW, a number of big game are traveling to winter habitats and cross or use roadways on their migration. Colorado Department of Transportation officials note there are roughly 4,000 wildlife vehicle collisions reported each year. But drivers can help reduce those numbers. CBW asks all drivers to slow down, stay alert, scan ahead, and obey traffic signs. Notably, wildlife warning signs. By now, a morning of coffee croissants and cribbage at the Wilkinson Public Library is a comforting community tradition. Counting the 15's double runs, a solid hand of pegging. But now, local cribbage players are leveling up with cocktails and cookies. The library will host its first ever Cocktails, Cookies, and Cribbage event on Tuesday, November 8th from 5 to 6.30 p.m. at the Ride Lounge. The library will provide the cookies and cribbage boards, unless you'd like to bring your own. Registration is not required, but available at telluridelibrary.org. Governor Jared Paulus is on the road in Colorado's high country this week, hoping to show voters what he's done for Western Colorado ahead of the midterm elections next week. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Aspen Public Radio's Caroline Yanis has more. Polis says he's the candidate who's going to go to bat for Colorado on issues like water rights, especially when it comes time to renegotiate the Colorado River Compact. He says he doesn't want to pit one part of Colorado against another and opposes Trans Mountain diversions that move water from the western slope to the Front Range. Which means that we need to do better around conservation, both in the urban and suburban interface, and that includes when you have more affordable housing, it's also often more water efficient. Uh, and we need to make sure we can expand best practices in ag that can reduce water usage and improve profits for our farmers and ranchers. His opponent, Republican Heidi Ganahl, has emphasized water storage and increasing reservoir capacity in her proposed policies. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Caroline Yanez. Colorado's new 8th Congressional District is getting a lot of attention this election season. It could help decide the balance of power in the U.S. House of Representatives. The district also has the largest Latino voting bloc in the state. And as KOTO's Lucas Brady Woods reports, Latinos in the district may not be voting along party lines. The newly created 8th District sits northeast of Denver and covers Weld and Adams counties. Nearly 40% of the population there identifies as Latino, more than any other district in the state. Stacy Suniga lives in the district and leads the Latino coalition of Weld County. She says this is an important opportunity to bring Colorado Latinos into the political process. We are part of this community. We've built this community. We've been here for decades. We should be included in, in those decisions. But she also says the Latino community is not a political monolith. A lot of Latinos don't really identify as a party. They want to they identify as culture and as, as their needs. And those things weren't being met for years. The majority of Latino voters in the 8th District are registered as unaffiliated. For them, the election is about issues impacting their lives and who's going to address them. 
kind of opens up opportunity for people to really be able to vote in the people they think that will represent them. And I think that's new for us in this area. The top issue facing Latino voters right now is inflation and the economy, which is hitting their community particularly hard. Milo Marquez is the head of the Colorado Latino Action Council. He says some Latino families are still dealing with economic impacts from the COVID-19 pandemic. On top of that, they see everyday costs climbing. A lot of these Latino families, these marginalized and, and even other folks in these marginalized communities are struggling. So as, as we see inflation, of course, it affects our community first because we have not built that generational wealth that other communities have. For younger generations, though, climate change is also a major concern. Like rising inflation, it's front and center for many people. What, what folks are talking about are the prairie fires that Colorado experienced uh, last December. And could that affect my community? Is that going to affect my house as the temperatures increase? Reproductive rights and immigration reform are two other issues Latino voters are thinking about, but they are lower on the priority list because other issues are more immediately impacting day-to-day life here in Colorado. Whatever the issues are, Marquez says the large Latino voting bloc in the 8th District is drawing a lot of political attention. I think both parties see an opportunity because of the large population, and they're both going after those those votes. You see the Republicans setting up offices in the new congressional district, and you see the Democrats doing the same. The district's congressional race is considered a toss-up between Republican Barbara Kirkmeyer and Democrat Yadira Caraveo. That means both parties hope to win over the Latino community to put them over the finish line. According to Marquez, some efforts to reach voters have gone too far. For example, last month, a flyer with anti-transgender messaging was sent to Latino voters in the 8th District from a conservative political organization. Marquez says its purpose was to divide the Latino community and discourage voting. On the ground, though, issues, not politics, remain most important. Angel Merlos was born in the 8th District and is an organizer with Libre Action. Right now, people are just really wanting to vote for what's going to help their family, their their job, their career, their economic growth. He also says while the environment is a priority among many Latinos, agriculture and fossil fuels are as well. Many Latinos work in those industries, which have a major footprint in the 8th District. You know, Wells County is known for their oil and gas, and so I think they also want to balance, right? They want to balance of how do we address this issue without, you know, losing all these jobs that a lot of families in Weld County do uh, depend on and in Adams County, which is the makeup of this district. Merlos also says the 8th District is an important moment for the Latino voice in Colorado. Stacy Suniga of the Latino Coalition of Weld County agrees, but she also says this is just the beginning. So it needs to be ongoing, and it'll be interesting to see who is going to keep contacting Latino people after the election. She says the real test will be which elected officials and political party continue paying attention to Latinos in the 8th District and across Colorado. For KUNC, I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Greeley. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 15 degrees. Saturday should be mostly sunny with a high near 40. Clouds return Saturday night with a low around 30. Sunday should be mostly sunny with a high near 40 degrees, and Sunday night will remain mostly clear with a low around 30. This has been the news for Friday, November 4th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. 
Hey, Coto listeners, it's open enrollment time, and we at Tri-County Health Network are here to help you sign up for a health insurance plan through Connect for Health Colorado Marketplace. Apply between November 1st through December 15th for a January 1st effective date of coverage, or apply until January 15th for coverage to start in February. Remember, this is the only time of the year folks can sign up if they want commercial coverage for 2023, unless they have a life-changing event. And we're also super excited to announce that new this year is the OmniSalud option. This is a brand new program that provides the opportunity for Colorado's immigrant community to purchase affordable health insurance, regardless of their immigration status. Eligible individuals may even be able to access a $0 per month premium plan with available financial help. Please be rest assured that all information shared is held confidential and not shared with any federal agency. Call TCH Network at 970-708-7096 to schedule an appointment with a health coverage guide in your area. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.